Good evening. As we're doing the halachas of Shia Chazor, we'll try and finish off the halachas of Chazor tonight and expand it a little bit. But, uh, a Chazor, a repetition this time, of what we learned in the previous year is definitely in order. There's so many halachas which are so relevant on a, on a weekly basis, it's definitely worth repeating in slight detail, not as much detail, that which we learned in the previous year. And please don't hesitate to ask if there's anything to ask. Right, the first day, the first shita in the Shulchan Aruch on Shehir, which is something we re- really discussed two weeks ago, but just briefly run through it again. The first shita in the Shulchan Aruch with, re- with retaining a pot on an open fire on a Shabbos is that any pot that, by keeping it on the fire, it will cook, and by cooking further, it will improve what's inside the pot, cannot be kept on a fire on Shabbos without a blech. Anything which is partly cooked, so the extra cooking will improve it, cannot be left on a fire without a blech. And the only thing that can be left on a fire without a blech is something which is fully cooked, and the further cooking will be bad for it, or something which is completely raw and will take a long time to cook. The second day in Shulchan Aruch was that anything that's cooked sufficiently that Mr. Ben would have eaten it, so it's cooked to Michael Ben from that point on you can leave it on an open fire on Shabbos. Anything less than that, between the point of beginning of cooking to the point of Michael Ben which is about halfway, about the halfway mark, that cannot be kept on an open fire on Shabbos. So those are the two shitters when it comes to retaining, remaining, keeping a pot on an open fire on Shabbos. And we said that luck is really like the first, like the, sorry, like the Mokuladika shitter, like the second shitter, but ideally one should keep the first shitter. So we keep the first and in a, a Shasab Chak, in a, a time when it's necessary to be Mako, we'll make it on the, like the second day. So that would mean like this. If a person forgot to put a blech on a Shabbos, or didn't have a blech in the house, etc., and had only a pot which was past the halfway mark of cooking, but not completely cooked, and without that pot remaining on the fire, you wouldn't have enough food for your Shabbos meal, then you can leave that pot on the fire, as long as it's cooked, tomorrow ben Jusoy, but the ever you can leave it on the fire, and that's okay. If, however, you are preparing for Shabbat, and you have a blech in the home, etc., and you can get your food cooked to the point of Nisbash of you're best off having your food completely cooked, and anything which is stomach v'yakoloi, any pot that by further cooking it will improve its flavor, then you put a blech, and you leave it on the blech. Keeping water, which is any water in any electric urn, or any urn on top of an open fire, can only be left on an open fire if it's reached the level of Yatzeledes, which we said is Lechumre Yatzeledes, around about the 80 degree centigrade mark, which is almost boiling point, just below boiling point. A slow cooker with a, a knob which can adjust the heat of the slow cooker. Again, we, we, there, are, there is more room for leniency with a slow cooker, but ideally a slow cooker should be covered with a, with a blech, in, in the case of a slow cooker, would mean putting a piece of silver coil around the area where the heating element is. A, a hot plate, which is never used for cooking at all, a hot plate is only something which is used to retaining heat, not to ever cook, for, with, for, with negate to the halachas, anything with respect to the halachas of shihir, not chazara, anything to do with shihir, just re- keeping your pot on the, on the hot plate, without a blech, that's okay, but when it comes to the halachas of chazara, we don't do chazara on the hot plate without a blech. Remaining. This one means to wait. It means keeping the pot waiting on the fire. That's what the word here means. An oven, the inside of an oven, again, has the same halacha as an open fire. 
So to place food in an, in an oven without the blech, again, if it doesn't match all the ingredients of the halachas of shihir, to keep a, a pot in a fire in an oven is is bound by the boundaries of shihir, and therefore one couldn't keep a, a food, the at least, which is going to improve by further cooking in an, in an oven, unless you had a blech. And then in, there are some, I've never seen them, but you can get what, what they call oven inserts, which is a type of a box which you place inside the oven, and inside the box you place the food, and that's considered a blech. Um, a food which is mistamagavit, any food like roast chicken, which is going to worsen by further cooking, it's, it's not going to improve, it's going to actually decrease the taste and the look of the food, then that type of food can be left in an oven anyway, without a blech, because it's the halachah is can be kept on an open fly, on an open flame. A kugel. What is a kugel? I don't know. It's a good question. I imagine a kugel, the, the longer you cook it, the worse it gets. So, probably it's in stomach rather, yes. But I'm afraid I'm not much of a cook myself. <coughs> we then moved on in the last year to the halachas of Chazara, which are slightly more complicated, and we'll try and expand on them this week. So, let's just run through briefly the halachas of Chazara and the conditions. Now, Chazara, what Chazal added to the halachas of Bishel, to the Isurim of Bishel, is what we call the Issachazor. Now, Minatayr, you're not allowed to place on Shabbos any uncooked food onto a flame, or place any uncooked food onto an area that could heat that food up to a level of Yatsulevis boy. So, uncooked food that's placed on a flame or on a hot surface that will cook it is an Issa Bishel Minatayr. Cooked food, as we will see later on this year, doesn't go under the banner of Bishel. You can't recook cooked food. And we'll discuss that a bit more at length a bit later on in the year. But cooked food, there's no problem in Hatayah of placing a cooked food back on the fire. The only problem is, say Chazal, that we're worried that you might come again to stoke the, the coals, or it looks like you're doing an action of Bishel. Therefore Chazal said, to place a new placing, that means from the beginning, what we call Chazal Betchila, as if you're placing it for the first time on the stove, on Shabbos, even though there's no exhibition involved, because Min Hatayah, you have covered all the areas of Bishel and there's no Bishel here but all I'm doing is placing a pot for the first time on the stove that is also on Shabbos now placing a pot for the first time on the stove doesn't actually have to be literally placing it for the first time there are different categories and different rules which can, we, where Chazal consider now placing that pot back on the flame as if you're placing it for the first time and that is the boundaries of the Issa of Chazor so the Issa of Chazor in broad terms is you're not allowed to re- not allowed to place not replace not allowed to place a pot back on the stove not back on the stove again place a pot on the stove for the first time on Shabbos even if there's no Isuri Bishul involved at all what's called placing for the first time that's where the boundaries of Chazor come into play now there's three rules which can never be crossed when it comes to this Chazor and that is the food must be food which is completely cooked, which is obvious, because if the food is not completely cooked, then you're entering into not just the surim of Chazor, you're entering into the surim of Bishul. So you can have as many blessings as you like. If it's hot, that the food will reach you out to lettuce boy, and it's not fully cooked, you cannot ever place that food back on the stove on Shabbos. There is a surim directly there that can, never, that can never be done. You can never, Midrabonon, place a pot of food onto, even to replace, even to return a pot of food onto an open flame, I mean, you had it there on Friday on an open flame, right away through till Shabbos. Came Friday night, you want to now take that pot off 
take some food out and then put it back. If it's an open flame, you can never put it back, even though what you are doing is really replacing the pot. But since it's an open flame, that looks like you are cooking from the beginning, and therefore it's considered placing back on the flame for the first time. You cannot place a pot ever on an open flame. And the third rule, which is not breakable at all, uh, the third rule which you cannot cross is that if the food has cooled down completely, that means you've cooked the food, it's been completely cooked, but it's now got to the state of completely cooled down, that pot cannot be replaced back on the flame. So those three rules can never be broken. It's got to be in this basket called Salkoi, completely cooked, it has to be hot, it's got to stay warm. Now the level of warmth, it doesn't have to be boiling, it's got to be warm, not cooled down completely, and it must be a flame which is covered. A flame which is uncovered, you cannot replace a pot onto it. Now, Chazaz have another two conditions to allow one to replace a pot on the flame of Shabbos. Now, these two conditions will now categorize what we call replacing and not placing for the first time. If you have these two conditions, that's called replacing the pot on the flame. If you don't have these two conditions, then it's called placing for the first time. And then what Chazaz called Daitai Lahaksir, that means when you... you first took the pot off the flame on Shabbos, you had intention to return the pot to the flame, and the second one is, you did not place it literally on the floor, you haven't placed it on the ground, it's still in your hand. Now, in, still in your hand doesn't mean that you've got to hold it in your hand and not place it down anywhere, you can place it down as long as it's still held in your hand, at least the handle's held in your hand that you've not left and you've not left go, that we can consider Now, these two conditions are a little bit more flexible than the other three. The first three are, have no flexibility within them at all. You must have those three conditions. These two have more flexibility to them. So if you place a pot, take a pot off the gas on Shabbos and place it down on your side. Now if you place it on the floor and leave go, and you don't have intention, well even if you don't have intention to put it back, if you ever place it on the floor and you leave go, You've had it. You can't put it back again. Placing on the floor is, con- is considered completely off the flame and cannot be replaced. Placing it on your side, that you intended to put it back, but you let go. You had it on the side, I don't know, and, and the uh, child was falling off the chair, so you let go and you ran to catch him. So you've let go now, that you intended to put it back, then since you've only transgressed one of the conditions, you can happily, in a, in a situation of Bidyevit, which is a situation when it's happened, after it's happened, you can then put it back on the flame. That means, ideally, you should take it off the flame and hold it with the intention to put it back. If you left go, but you still have intention to put it back, you can put it back. Same thing the other way around. If you still had it in your hand, you took it off with the intention of not putting it back, and you still had it in your hand, and then you change your mind, again, with the effort, you can replace it. Now, it's to shalom, a covered flame. Covered flame. That's one of the first three conditions. It must be a covered flame. I have no answer for that, Mrs. Graydon. <laughs> um, you've lost my, my, my train of thought now. Where am I after? Right, no, that's right. If you one of those two conditions, you can be put back with the other, you can replace it back on the covered flame. The, in a situation of Shasatrak, in a situation of dire necessity, if you've taken it off the flame and not placed it on the floor, just placed it on your side, and you didn't have intention to return it, but you took it off on Shabbos, and you can replace it in a, in a situation of Shah Sabkhak. You can even then replace it back on Shabbos. But that's only in a situation of Shah Sabkhak. If you took it off on Friday, 
Right? You took it off on Friday, and then you forgot something, you, you forgot to prepare something for Shabbos, and you, you, your mind slipped, and you ran off, and you did something else. By the time you came back to put it back on again, it was already, after candlelighting, it was already Shabbos. Then the situation changes slightly. Again, if you took it off with the intention to return it, so you've only transgressed one of the conditions, you still have, Daitei Lahatsi is still there, then you can be able to return it. If you took it off, and it was still in your hand, it's a bit more complicated this one, it was still in your hand, but you didn't have the intention to return it. And by the time you changed your mind, it was already Shabbos. Again, did you ever you can return it? If, however, you took it off and you had no intention to, to return it and it wasn't in your hand and then Shabbos came in, in that, in that situation you cannot return it at all. In that situation, Friday to Shabbos is worse than taking it off on Shabbos and replacing it on Shabbos. Now, understanding those conditions, we then followed through with some practical analysis that if you would take your Friday, your pot off on Friday night, for instance, assuming it was a soup, and you put it down on the side, and you took the lid off, and you shrieked, instead of the soup, it was your challenge, and you can just vision yourself now with no challenge for tomorrow morning, and no soup for Friday night. Well, I suppose you still have soup for Friday night. What do you do? Now here again, if you take all those conditions into play, you can put the lid back on, and pick it up, and place it back on the flame, and take your soup off. Because in this situation, it's not considered taking off with that, without that to return if you intended really to return it you didn't want the chalant off at all so you, with this part the chalant part you never intended taking off so therefore it's not considered not that and therefore we can allow you to place the pot back again same thing would be if the fire of the just let me finish off the two halachas the three practical halachas it's the same thing as if the fire under the pot went out and you end up now you come to your kitchen you find that your pot's placed on the stove and there's no fire there at all so here again, since it was originally placed with intention to remain on the, on the stove, and you have no intention to take it off, even though the fire has gone out, so it's in effect not on the stove, you can take the pot and place it onto another covered fire, or another hot plate, etc. You can re- remove it from that place and put it onto another stove which is covered, and there's no problem with Chazorah, because your intention wasn't to remove it from the stove. Even if it's cooled down a bit, as long as it's not got to the le- level of um, not being edible. It's so cold that it's, you wouldn't eat it. If it's warm enough that you just delete it, then that's fine. Sorry, just a little, sorry. It really should be different. If somebody else, is somebody else's intention good enough? Now, ideally, it should be the person who takes it off. If it hasn't, then, then you'll probably, in most situations, be able to put it back, and you'll be covered with all the all the, the conditions that we've given you. So, unless you've really done something drastically wrong, uh, there should be no real reason why you shouldn't be able to return it. But run around to your to your run over the road to your local rob, and he'll hopefully be able to tell you you can return it. Okay, are we ready to move on? Yes. No, 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 no. We'll discuss raised things in a minute. We're, we're talking about covered with a piece of foil, a piece of bakewell. That's right. Or just, just the area under your pot. We'll discuss that in a minute, Mrs. Mrs. Redden, yes. See you later. Now, there's another halakha which is extremely important when it comes to the halakhas of Chazorah, and it's something which Yeshiva Bachman are well acquainted with. The 
rule of Chazorah is that you take the pot off the flame, you don't have to return the food into the identical pot. That means if you have two pots of Cholin, for instance, and one is beginning to burn, you can take one off and return the Cholin to the other pot and place... So you're returning the Cholin back onto the fire again, onto the covered fire, but not in the same pot. You're replacing it in a, in a different pot. That's 100% fine. There's no fear to replace the same pot back on the flame. You can put the food into a different pot. And not just you can put the food into a different pot that's actually on the flame. You can place it into a completely cold pot out of your cupboard, put your chalent into your new pot, and then return that pot to your fire. So if your chalent's burning and you don't like burnt chalent, so you quickly take the food out, put it into a new pot, make sure you've not put it down, etc., and you've kept the rules of Baite and you've kept the rules of Oidabiyade. How do you do that? What? But if you're going to use it to put food in, then, then it's fine. It's Kalish and Rafael Issa. It's fine to, to, uh, to, to use it for the Surya Kufa's motor. So, well, if you get two people, yeah, one person holds the empty pot and one person holds the full pot, and you pour the chum and try to miss his fingers into the empty, empty pot, you can then return the empty pot onto the fire. That's fine. Now, I've given you a very complicated scenario there. The area where this is really applicable and really applies is. If somebody's challenged, now I use challenge because it's the, the, the most delicate of the food that's on your flame on Shabbos. If somebody's challenge is drying out and you want to add water to it. So here you have a very simple solution. You have two very simple solutions. The first solution is you can take your challenge pot, and this is something, as I say, Yeshiv Rachman are very well, well versed in. You can take your challenge pot to the urn, put, open the tap, and let the water come out the urn into the challenge pot, and then put that pot back on the fire. Because the water is on the flame, You've taken that water now and replaced it into another pot and put it back on another flame. That's absolutely fine. You've returned the water from one pot into a different pot, onto a different flame, so that's fine. You've moved it from one flame onto another covered flame, one pot to a different pot, that's all within the boundaries of Chazor. But here the Chiddush goes even further. And the Mishnah Baruch Mekel, because I can place the food from one pot even into a new pot that's never been on the flame, I can even take a cup and fill it with hot water and then pour that into my trolling pot. Because what am I doing? I'm taking water, which has come from one flame, one covered flame, and putting it into another pot, to my cup, and pouring that back onto another pot, which is on the flame. Except for here, you have to be careful not to pour it onto the trolling when the trolling is actually on top of the fire. Because when you pour it, it will cause the trolling to mix, or whatever it is, the soup, to mix, and to mix, Food which is on the flame is, is the Chathila also on Shabbos. We'll discuss that when we discuss the Lachas Abishal. But just as a pre warning, if you do want to do that, you must make sure that you move the pot off the flame onto the other side of the blech, pour the water in, and then you can move it back. <laughs> You've you left me gobsmacked, Mrs. Graydon. Second time this evening. Right, so are we clear? Are we clear in the, in the channel making process? How to prevent the channel from burning? Please don't invite Mrs. Graydon's son. Are, are we clear? The water, the water, no, you can take it off the blech, as long as you don't put it back in the urn, that's okay. You're taking it off the fire and putting it onto a blech, that's fine. You can take a pot, we'll come to discuss that in a minute, you can take a pot which is not on the blech and put it on the blech on Shabbos as well, there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't have to come from a blech onto a blech. It's got to be hot. 
Electric urn is, 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 is for, for the effect of what we're doing here, it's fine. Uh, I wouldn't tell you to take the cup of water and pour it back into the electric urn. But to take water out of the electric urn and pour it into the chocolate pot, that's absolutely fine. You can pour it into a liquid as well, you can, you can pour it into anything. As long. Now, this is the, the other thing you have to be careful for is besides not pouring it onto the pot which is on top of the flame, you must make sure that the water in the cup is still yet to let this point. And that's something that not all urns keep their water piping hot. And when you take it out, you're pouring it now into a Kaylee Shaney, which is your second cup, it can cool down. You have to make sure that the water in the second cup is hot, is yet to let this point. Because if it's not, you are then recooking water that's cooled down. Around about 80 degrees. But most, uh, most good modern urns uh, should, should keep your water. It's, if you have an urn on the flame, a big urn on the flame, it's not exactly on top of the flame, you could find it by the time you pour it into the second cup, it's not, uh, not quite yet to let it work. <coughs> from the urn to the cup, from the cup to the... Hmm. We then discussed uh, briefly last week, just something I wanted to repeat, that if you have um, your pot on the flame, on the black, on Shabbos, you then move it, you, c- you can move it off the black, onto an area of the black which is not yet to let it work, which is not really piping hot, and still, you're allowed to move it back on Shabbos, back onto the flame. Because when you moved it up, you didn't take it completely off the fire. It's considered a little bit connected to the fire. Since it's a little bit connected to the fire, we don't call it not Daikalaki. We call it your intention was still to return. And we don't call it completely left the flame. It's still connected to the flame. And therefore, you can return it back onto the flame. So you can move around. Once you've placed it on the fire on Friday, we come Shabbos, you can move it up onto an area which is off the fire, off the flame, off the heat and bring it back again whenever you want on Shabbos. Someone who left the pot on the flame with their heta on Friday, and then, of course, the, uh, the heta to leave a pot on the fire, according to all those shitters, is only to leave it there. You can't return ever, as we've said a few times, you can never return a pot to a fire unless there's a black, unless it's covered. So if you had a pot on the flame, and you wanted to return it, an open flame this time, and you wanted to return it, what you can do is you can place a black or place an, an empty pot upside down on the, pla- on, the, on the flame and then place your pot back on the top of the other pot which is the equivalent of putting a black on the flame on Shabbos and that's 100% fine. There's no issue to place a black on the flame on Shabbos and then put the pot on top of that. So that would be fine. The only condition there is you must make sure the pot's not brand new which I doubt it will be or the black's not brand new because brand new metal when you put it directly on heat it, it solidifies the metal, it does something to the metal, it finishes it off, and that's also got a problem of Bishel, but that's just a technicality. With respect to the halachas of Hazari, you can take the pot off the fire, place the black on, an empty pot, etc., and then put your pot back on the fire, and that's 100% mutter. Because you're returning from an open flame onto a covered flame, that's fine. There's no issue to return even from an open flame onto a covered flame. Okay, so that really brings us to the end of direct Chazara. This is Chazara, this is pot which were on the fire on Friday, and we want to return to a flame, to a cover flame on Shabbos. That really covers very broadly the halachas of Chazara. What I'd like to spend the rest of this year tonight on is discussing what to do with food that's never been placed on the fire yet on Shabbos. It comes Shabbos morning, and you want to ha- heat your kugel up, you want to heat up your chalas, etc., you want to heat up a pot of food, is there any way that you can heat up food which has never been placed on the black, never been placed on the fire for Shabbos? Now, understandably, food which has not been cooked ever cannot be placed 
in an area that would cook it on Shabbos. You cannot put uncooked food in a, a, near a source of heat that could bring it to a level of cooking. You can place it to, near, to a source near, near a source of heat that will only keep it warm, even if it's uncooked. But it will never ever, even if you left it there for a long time, it will never reach cooking point. That can be done. But foods which are uncooked can never be placed near a source of heat, even not on a flame, near any source of heat that will get it to reach up. So let this boy get it to reach the point of cooking. That's completely after. That's also minat payer. And even if you intended to leave it there just for a short while, Chazal said you're not allowed to leave it there because you might forget and end up leaving it there for a long while and do cooking on Shabbos. So foods which are not cooked are out of the question. Now, when it comes to Hilfus Bishul, again, when we do Hilfus Bishul, we'll discuss it at length, but there are two halachas which we need to know for for the halachas of placing food back on, not back, placing food next to a fire on Shabbos. Now, the first is like this. Once a food has been cooked, a solid food has been cooked, it can never be recooked again. So you can have a solid food, a food which is a solid, a piece of chicken which is dry, a solid piece of chicken has been cooked, boiled chicken, for, for want of an argument, boiled chicken, you have a boiled piece of food here now which is dry, there's no liquid there at all. Once it's been cooked once, you can be absolutely frozen. You can place it back on a source of heat, and it will not be, it will not cook again. There will be no Issa Bishel there at all. Aim Bishel Acha Bishel means that once something has been cooked and is dry, it can never be recooked. So if you would take a piece of dry, frozen chicken out of your freezer and you would like to heat it up for Shabbos morning, then there is no Hotas Bishel here at all. But the problem is you can't place it on a flame, not an open flame, nor can you place it on a covered flame because you'll be transgressing the halacha of Chazorah. You are now placing for the first time on the fire. So that can't be done. But what is allowed is if you had a pot on the flame already with food inside, now placing that food on top of that pot is 100% mutter. Because you're not placing it anywhere near the source of fire, you're placing it on top of a pot that's already on the flame. So it doesn't look like bishul at all, it doesn't have any comparisons to bishul. You can place your chicken on this pot and it can allow it to warm. It will warm up to boiling point. It will warm up to properly... Yes, the letters. There's absolutely nothing wrong because you have not cooked and you have not done any chazorah to this piece of chicken. Now, this halach applies to anything which is dry. That would mean a kugel, would mean chalas, would mean any, you know the dishes better than I do, any type of dish that's dry, that has no recognizable liquid in it. You can take it out of the freezer as long as it's not frosted over so there's no recognizable liquid. Take it out of the freezer even, place it on top of the top and leave it there to heat. So that's a very simple way of heating up dried foods on Shabbos. But there's another halacha when it comes to Bishel, and that is Gavalach, something which is liquid, even if it's been cooked before Shabbos, but as long as it's cooled out completely, there's no heat there at all. That means it's got to below the point of heat that one would be comfortable eating it or drinking it. It's cooled down to the level that one wouldn't like to drink it at that heat, you'd like it a bit warmer before you would drink it, then that's considered completely cooled down. Once it's cooled down, to reheat it would constitute an Issa Bishel min Hatoya. And that's how we take on the Halacha. Yesh Bishel, Acha Bishel, Bedavalach. There is a possibility of recooking a liquid once, even though it's been cooked once. So it has to cool down to the point that you're uncomfortable to... to Drink it or eat it. Is that the kind of what, generally people do, or? what generally people do, yes. 
So that's what we will come out now is like this. If you have uh, a food, any food, which has an element of juice to it, that food, to heat that up, that you can't place on any source of heat, even on top of a pot, or on top of an urn, or even next to your urn. If the heat of the urn, or the heat of the pot, or the heat of the cooker, wherever it may be, would, would allow that food to heat, reach the point of yak you may not place that food anywhere near that source of heat. Because once it reaches the point of bishul, point of yak it's bishul minatayr, so to leave it in a place where it could get to that point, even if you don't intend to leave it there, for the length of time they would actually reach the point of Yatsaledus. But to put it in an area that eventually might reach the point of Yatsaledus is completely awesome on Shabbos. So when you're dealing with foods which are not dry, you're in a much more difficult predicament. You really can't place that food in any area which is a real source of heat, which is going to allow it to reach the point of Yatsaledus. If, however, you put it in a, a source of heat, near a source of heat that would never get to Yatsaledus, it would just warm it, and that's 100% water. Because it's never going to cook it, so then you're not cooking, you're not doing any chazor, because you're not on, on a flame or on a covered flame at all. You're just in an area near a source of heat, so that would be permitted. But to place it on top of a pot, or, or near any source of heat, it would allow it to reach Yatsaledus, that is completely awesome. Now, what we've discussed so far is taking a dried food out of the freezer, or out of the fridge, or wherever, and placing it on a pot that's already on the flame. A pot that's already on the flame with food in it, then you can take your dried food and take it out, out of the freezer, fridge, wherever it may be, and place it on top of your pot that's not called bishul because it's dried, and it's not called chazorah, because you're not putting it on the flame, or on, even on a covered flame, you're putting it on a pot which is on top of the covered flame. However, to take an empty pot from your cupboard, place it on an open flame, even upside down, and then place your dry food on top of that, that would be awesome. Because there, what you're doing is, you're really, in effect, the, your pot is really your blech. You're then taking your food and place, placing it directly on top of the flame, on, on top of the blech. That's again also. Because you are doing chazorah. Directly on even a covered flame, to place a pot on a covered flame for the first time is also, because that constitutes chazorah. To place it on top of a pot that's already on the flame with food inside, that's not chazorah. Because then you're not placing the food on the flame, you're placing the food on the pot. So an empty pot, to put the empty pot on the flame, and then put my food cold on top of that, that would be after, that would be an Issachazara. However, to do the identical thing, but on a pot which is ready on the flame and has food in it, that would be mutter. Water is considered fine, yeah. As long as the liquid is not noticeable. A small amount of liquid is fine, as long as it's not noticeable liquid. Is, is it liquid? Is it liquid or is it is it solid? How would you how would you so then it's fine. A little bit of liquid is not noticeable. It's fine. If you take it out of the freezer, there's always a small element of liquid, but it's not noticeable. If it's frosted over, then you can see that liquid, there's liquid there. But if a normal food, normal piece of food that comes out from a normal freezer, which isn't broken, will will look perfectly dry. There will be an element of liquid there, but that's fine. If the liquid is not noticeable, you can ignore the liquid. Now to place on a blech, again, to place food from a fridge directly on the blech, on an area which is yet to let this boy, would be completely awesome. Because again, I'm taking food which had never been on the fire before on Shabbos, and putting it for the first time on the fire, so that would be awesome. But to place food on an area of the blech that's not yet to let this boy. Right? Now we discussed this last two weeks ago, and to leave it on Friday in an area which is not yet to let this boy, we said that's not considered on the fire. 
and the Moshe Feinstein seems from the Moshe Feinstein that will be not considered on the fire. Therefore, to take food from the fridge and leave it on the, on the area of a blech, which is not Yatsaleb's boy, there are a lot of Poskin who are maple. So you could take food, your kugel, out of the fridge and place it on an area of the blech, which is not Yatsaleb's boy, that will be fine. Because again, I'm not placing it on a fire, I'm placing it on a source of heat which is not fire, which is near to fire. It's not considered placing it on top of a flame on top of a cup of flame at all, it's considered placing it away from the flame, it's not fire, therefore, just as I'm allowed to place it on top of the pot, I'm allowed to place it on an area of the blech which is not hot, doesn't reach, reach up to lettuce. 80 degrees. Anything, anything above 80 degrees. Oh, no, no, sorry, no, I'm wrong, you're wrong. This, this will be a bit less than that, it will be 43 degrees. You're right, this is going to be going the other way. It will be about 43 degrees. How you would measure that, I'm not quite sure. Dry food. Kugel, your challah, um, chicken, sliced meat, baked doesn't matter because it, it, even though it is bishul after I fear, but this is not bishul, so that's fine. I didn't want to go down the road of discussing all his bishul. Now we will we will go down that road, Mister Shams, later on, but not tonight. A hot plate, a, a, a covered flame, or a hot plate, which is similar a similar idea. And you want to place your food on there. Here you are allowed to take an empty pot and put it on the covered flame and then put your food on top of that. So, you have your cooking coming out of the fridge and you want to heat it up on Shabbos. You can take a silver foil container, place it upside down on your blech because your, your flame's already covered. So you're now putting a pot on top of a covered flame or a pot on top of a slow cooker which is not really a source of heat for cooking and then place your dry food on top of that, again, that would be considered mutter. Because I'm not doing chazorah, I'm doing something which is so distant from bishul that we don't consider it chazorah, and we can, we can just consider it heating up food, and that's 100% mutter. So, in effect, what I'm doing is, I'm putting food on top of an urn, food on top of a pot which is already on the flame, food on top of a pot which I put on top of a covered flame, or on, on top of a pot which I put on a hot plate, all those do not constitute chazorah, so when there's no Shiloh of Bishel, there's no worry that it's going to actually do anything, any isodoraisa of cooking, and that would mean a dry food, that would be 100% mustard to place all those things on top of those parts in those situations, and you have no worry at all. But if the food's got liquid in it, any amount of liquid, a noticeable amount of liquid, then that the stakes change, and I cannot place it in any source of heat. Two pots, three pots, five pots, ten pots piled on top of each other. If the heat is hot enough that it will come through and heat that liquid up to the degree of, of Yatsuleta's boy, that would be awesome. And that Yatsuleta's boy would mean 43 degrees, not 80 degrees. No, a sheet of aluminium is still considered, it's just, it's just a cover, it's not considered a pot on top of a pot. We're trying to get the situation of a pot on top of a pot. Food on top of a pot, on top of the cover, is fine. Just to place it on the blech, that's not considered a... Um, Upside down container is fine. That's a pot on top. That's food on top of a pot on top of. No, no, no. As long as there's no height at all, very, very shallow is fine. As long as it's uh, a receptacle, it's a keli, that's fine. So any type of keli, any type of pot placed on a covered flame or placed on the hot plate, you can then place on top of that any dry food you like. And as long as the food has been cooked once, there's no liquid there. That's fine. You can heat up your cold cups, you can heat up your cold sliced meat, you can heat up your chicken, your kugel, your chalas. There's an enormous amount of food, and I'm sure you know of plenty others that more than I do, that you can heat up on shavas as long as it's dry. And finally, I think we've complicated you enough tonight, finally just one halakha 
which give, we've almost given everything as a mutter, but to finish off with one halacha which is osa, to, to have a hot plate which is on a time switch, and to place your kugel on the cold hot plate which is going to come on on the time switch, is something which is cons- we, we consider is completely osa. You might find some people allowing it, but we take on it's osa, because placing on, directly on the hot plate, even if the hot plate is only going to come on in a few minutes' time, in a time switch, is considered chazorah, it's as if you place it there for the first time on top of an open flame. It makes no difference if the flame comes ten minutes later or the flame is there already. You consider that chazor, and therefore that's also. If you would put a pot on it and place that on top, then even if it was on, you can do that on Shabbos. So the time clock is irrelevant. But to, to place a kugel, even a dry food where there's no bishul, onto a hot plate, which is off, and it's going to come on on Shabbos, that we don't allow. To place it on Friday on a cold hot plate, and allow the, 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 the hot plate to come on on Shabbos, that's okay, because you've not done any Chazorah. But to place it on a Shabbos, and allow the hot plate to come on with a time switch, that we don't allow, that is considered, goes under the ban of Chazorah, and that's considered also. Are we clear? Clear enough. I'm happy to repeat it all if anybody wants. Yeah. A host test tray is... Uh, a trolley. I don't know. Somebody asked me that recently. I don't quite know how hostess tray works. It doesn't have a, any any um, heat element on the sides. Was it? It's just. It's basically a covered hot tray. It's like a hot. It's like a hot plate with a cupboard over it. So then I assume that we can consider that uh, like a hot plate. You put it on the. Um, you put it on top of the pot. That would be. That would be okay. It's not. It's not an oven. It's not heating. It's not cooking. It's just. It's just a warmer, and so really you're placing it on top of a flame, which is the, the the base. If you then put that on top of a pot, that would be fine, as long as it's dry, and and there's no no problems with bishul. And that's hot. The, the shelf itself is heated. No. So then that's, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with heating up plates and shelves. There's, there's no bishul on plates. Erev Shabbos, you can place on an Erev Shabbos uh, cold food on a hot plate, which is going to come on the time switch a few hours later the next morning, that's fine. If you don't mind leaving your kugel out overnight, that's absolutely fine. So that, that really brings us to the end of basic Chazorah. The halakhas of Chazorah of a pot which has been on the flame on Shabbos and taken up and come and return it. And again, a pot which has never been on the flame on Shabbos yet, but it's fully cooked, how come on heat it up on Shabbos? And those are the basic guidelines which allow you to Keep your food is pretty much hot right there through Shabbos, even if it's never been on the flame at all. Just to finish off with a Dvar Torah on the Sedra. The Prophet tells us in Peg Mem, in Prophet Chav, that Tzavisova, when they built the Kalim for the Mishkan, they were finally assembling the Mishkan. So the Prophet tells us that they took and they placed the Luchos inside the Oren. They place the Luchas inside the Oren. And then, and only then they place the poles inside the rings on the walls of the Oren. And after that, and then they place the Kapoyas on top. Now, if you look in Pashish Truma, when HaKadosh Baruch commanded Moshe, told Moshe to command Talisrael to build the Mishkan, then we find the order slightly changed. The other prophet tells us, well, you should make the poles. 
then the you should place those poles in the rings. And only after that it says And only after you place the poles inside the rings, only afterwards can you should you place the edos, the luchos, inside the oren. Why does the Torah change the order? Why did Moshe Rabbeinu change the order? Why did Kavisol change the order from the command in Pashas Prumer to the practical assembling of the Oren in Pashas Bikudet? Now I think we've, ex- we've explained many times for those who can remember that the differences, there's many, many differences. If you look through Pashas Vayakhtar Bikudet and you look through Pashas Prumer to Stavar Kisisa you'll find many discrepancies between the command of HaKadosh Baruch to Moshe Rabbeinu to build the Mishkan and all the Kalim and the Big Day Kahuna to the actual assembling and the actual building of the Mishkan in Vayakhtar Pekudeh. And the, the first one is the most classic is the, of, the beginning of Vayakhtar, Vayakhtar Moshe. Before Moshe told Tanishol to build the Mishkan, he assembled them all into a single group. We don't find any hint in Pashas Trumah to Sabah that Tanishol has to be assembled. There's no hint of it at all. There's a command is to build a Mishkan, and that's all. But Moshe Rabbeinu went one step further, and he gathered Kalishol together into a kehillah, into a single unit. And we've explained many times that the differences between Pashas Trumah and Pashas Vayakab Trumah, Trumah Tzavah Kisizo, and Vayakab Kisizo, really based, are based around one point. That in Pashas Kisizo, which was after the command of building the Mishkan, at least in the way the prayer is written, in the order of the prayer, there was the Pasha of the Ego. Kalishol sinned, they sinned in the, in the, in the Pasha of the Ego, so the command of how the Mishkan should be built before the Eagle and how the Mishkan should be built after the Eagle had to differ. Before the Eagle, Kaisal were on a tremendous level of Ruchnius. They were Kish Echad Belebechad. They'd come away from Matanteya. They'd come away from Hasinai. They were a single unit. There was no separation there at all. There was no period. There was no Chet whatsoever. There was no need to command. There was no need to, descri- to discuss, to describe, to ask Kaisal to come together as a Kehillah. They were a single unit already. They were on the level of Ruchnius that made them one. Once they transgress the avail of the ego, every chet separates. The chet, by definition, divides. So Kalisho became a divided group. They weren't a single homogenous group of people. They were a divided people now. So in order to build the Mishkan to allow the Shechina to rest here, we have to have a Bayakil Moshe. We have to have Kalisho brought together as a group, and only then can Kalisho be Zechah to the Shechina. The same difference is there here with the, with the order of how the Aaron was put together. The Gemara says in Yuma that the poles inside the rings of the Aaron were immovable. You couldn't, you couldn't remove them. They were not removable. You couldn't remove them from the rings at all. But yet they were loose inside the rings. They weren't tight in the rings. They were loose. You could move them around inside the rings. But yet you could never move those poles out of the rings. And Rashi explains that the shape of the pole was such that it was thick at one at the end, but very thin in the middle. So in the middle it could be moved around, and you could move backwards and forwards and around, but yet you could never move the pole out of the ring because the ends were, were, were thick. But Rashi himself asked the question, if so, how did he get the poles inside the rings? It's very nice, but it was one single pole. It wasn't a pole with a, with a metal clasp in the middle. It was one single pole, and it had to somehow fit into the ring, even though it was thick at the end. So Rashi says, but Dechet, they managed to get it in. Now the question is, if you can get something in, if you can force something in, then the rule usually is you can force something out. Yet the Gemara tells us that it was not movable. You couldn't remove it from those rings. So how is it possible that they got those rings in, which Rashi calls Vedoichet? No, 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 no. The rings were placed on the orange and then the poles inside the rings. 
Yeah, no, definitely not. So how could they get the poles inside the rings if the ends were thick? What does Rashi mean when he says Dosek? Now, if you think about the iron as such, the iron couldn't have been a natural existing cave. It doesn't make sense. The, if you measure the amount of gold that there must have been just in the Caparis itself, now the Caparis was uh, uh, two, ammas, two and a half ammas long, one and a half ammas wide, it was a tefah thick, made out of Zohar Torah. Now I can't actually remember the calculations now. If you make a calculation of exactly the weight of the Caparis, you will find it, it's somewhere in, in the tonnage. It's, it's pretty heavy. You place that on top of boxes, which are made out of pure gold. Pure gold is quite fickle. It has no strength in it at all. The purer the gold is, the softer the gold is. So if you're going to place that weight on top of the, po- the top of these boxes, they should have really collapsed. There's no way you can carry, physically carry, an iron made out of that amount of gold with two flimsy poles and four people. It's just not possible. There's no way you could lift the weight of the iron. Now, Chazal tell us that iron was noisef noisef. The iron didn't need carrying. It carried those who carried it. So the whole iron, the, 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 the whole structure of the iron and the whole the way the iron was moved, etc., was shloit. It was the Malam and Ateba. It was completely above the level of Teba. It couldn't have existed in the realms of the physical world. It didn't, it didn't make sense. In fact, the Professor Cohen once wrote me an article that uh, if you count the amount of gold that there was in the Kapoyas, they didn't have enough gold to actually build the Kapoyas. It didn't make sense. There's so much gold just in the Kapoyas that all the gold that was given as, a, as an adobe to the Mishkan wouldn't have been enough to actually even make the Kapoyas. So there's no way that the iron could exist in a physical sense. The whole Oren was something which was the Malamidech HaTeva. So therefore, says the Shem Yishmur, we can say the same thing here. To place the poles in the rings, it's very simple. But Dozak means it was placed in. They pushed it through. And there was a mess of the rings enlarged and the poles managed to get through and then they stayed in place. There was no way they could get them out again. However, says the Shem Yishmur, if so, we can understand the difference between the beginning of Truma and to our Sedra. In the past of Truma was before the Ego. When Cyrus rolled before the Eagle, they were on a tremendous elevated level. Then the actual making of the Oren would have been the Derek Ness. You wouldn't have needed anything else. Just the fact that Cyrus who on that spiritual level made the Oren, the Oren itself would have reached that level of Lamaila Minateva. It could exist. Just the, the fact that Cyrus made it would have allowed it to exist in the, in the realms of Lamaila Minateva. And then the Poles would have gone in even before the Luchas were there. However, once Cyrus had sinned, through the might of ego, then the making of the Oren itself wouldn't have allowed the Oren to be Lamalim and Ateva. So therefore, they had to place the Luchais, which is the Torah, the Torah itself, which Torah comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The says the Torah is the words of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Torah is something which is not in the physical world, something which is above the physical world, placing the Luchais into the Oren, that could now transform the Oren as the carrier of the Luchais, the carrier of the Torah. The carrier of the Torah, again, becomes elevated above the physical world, and then they could then place the poles in, the Derechness, and it would remain there, and everything, the Oren Noisef Noisef, they could then place the Kaparis on top, and everything would remain the Maila Minateva. We find exactly the same thing a bit further on in this week's Sedra. The, toward the end of the Sedra, it says, Mishkan el Moshe. they brought the Mishkan to Moshe. They brought the boards to build the Mishkan. And Rashi tells us that they brought the boards to Moshe because no man could physically lift one single board. If you look at the, the size of the boards, it was ten, around about ten meters it was, sorry, it was six kilometers. It was around about six meters high. It was almost a meter wide, a single board, and just under, just over half a meter thick, made out of Asher Shittim. That's one single board. So if you try and lift up one single board of that, those dimensions made of solid wood, 
No man could do it. So the Pasha tells us, Rashi tells us, they brought those boards to Moshe Rabbeinu. The only person who could build those, build the Mishkan, could set up the Mishkan, is Moshe Rabbeinu. Yet we find right away through the, the coming Sedras, the, the Levim, every time they journeyed, the Levim took down the Mishkan, and every time they camped, the Levim rebuilt the Mishkan. What's going on here? Where was Moshe Rabbeinu? The Levim managed on their own. If they managed all the time in the Midbar, how come they can't manage here as well? Now again, we see the same message. The crushing couldn't have been something which was Vedarech HaTeva. If you take that weight, a weight of six meters of solid wood, by almost a meter wide, by half a meter thick, a bit more than half a meter thick, you place those on wagons, for instance, right? They were placed on the wagons. The Gemara describes exactly how they placed on the wagons and how many went on the wagon. But try and place, there was at least four on a single wagon. Try and place four of those boards, solid boards on a wagon, on top of sand, in the midbar, and then put, harness a couple of horses or whatever it was and try and get them to pull it. There was no way it could do it. It would sink in the ground immediately. The weight, the enormous weight of the, of the crossing was beyond any, any, it's just beyond the physical capability of any wagon to pull them along. And they had many wagons, a few wagons running side by side. They were crossing, touching every time they journeyed. All the crossing were touching, and that's how they journeyed through the, through the midbar. No trouble at all. Again, the only way those crossing could exist is Lamailim and So here again, that's, that's the same message. When they came to building the Mishkan, Tarasol weren't on the level where they could actually build the Mishkan themselves. They needed an input of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, who was pure, totally pure. Moshe Rabbeinu, who was the person who brought the Torah down to this world, and through his Torah, through his power of Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu, he could raise those Kharashim to the level of the level of, as if the Kharashim could lift themselves up in every future time. By Moshe Rabbeinu building the Mishkan, he's elevated the Mishkan to the level of the So when it came to the future journeys, every time they journeyed, the Levine could, could, could take it down. Every time they camped, the Levine could put it up. Because it wasn't the Levine, it was the Krosh themselves that was helping the Levine put it up. It didn't need Moshe Rabbeinu anymore. That's the power of input, of Ruchnius, of elevating the physical to the level of, of, of the Malamidech HaTeva. And the Shem Mishmul, in his usual way, moves on to describe Shabbos and the weekday in the same, in the same vein. Weekday is six days of the week or the six days of Teva where we end up working working in, in, in the wide world working together with the physical boundaries of the world comes Shabbos Shabbos in Men Olam Haba Shabbos is that spiritual input the input of the Torah the input of Shabbos which is above the physical world now if a person keeps the Shabbos as one should that Shabbos sends its, its uh, influence right way through the coming six days and it can elevate the whole six days to the, to the Malim Derech HaTeva that's important for keeping Shabbos and here for if I may say for a woman it's probably the most important part of her Shabbos because those are the areas that a woman is going to come across and without knowing the Lachas properly chances are very high that a woman will somehow or other inadvertently transgress an element of her Shabbos so knowing the Lachas is so important and by keeping Shabbos to the Chosei we can elevate the whole six days of the week so we eventually elevate the whole year round and all the time to be a Shabbos and here we remain Amen